0: Lies that you believe Hear the, the voice of, of Jesus, Jesus calling us out from the grave like last of us.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Disciples' House. Please be seated. All right. So our meditation for this week is Philippians 3.12. It says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that, I I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. All right. So our Confession. Not as if I had already attained or was already complete, but I am seeking after, so I can take ownership of what the anointed Jesus has taken ownership of me for. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, our healing scripture for this week is Psalms 41.3, and it says, the Lord, the Lord will sustain him on his bed of illness and restore him from his bed of sickness. So, our confession, I will lean on the Lord when I am sick or in pain. He will fully restore my health in Jesus' name. All right, praise God. Okay, so upcoming events. Well, next week is Contending Faith Bible Conference in Pensacola, Florida, and uh, me and Robbie are going to be going. And if you uh, would like to get uh, any of the media, uh, um, the CDs, USBs, or DVDs, the prices are listed in the uh, bulletin, and you can get with Miss uh, Pastor Robbie after this, and she'll be and she'll get those for you. Or if you think about it during the week, and you're like, Hey, I want that, just give us a call and. We'll make sure we get it for you. Uh, after that, we're going to have a uh, fellowship meal uh, after service on February 11th. Uh, and the details on that are in there. Uh, and then, uh, oh, and also on February 11th, the uh, deposits for the Ark Encounter are due. So remember to get those in. Uh, and April 18th through, through the 20th, we are going to go to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum in Kentucky. Uh, we have a house lined up where we're all going to be able to stay and uh it's going to be a great time. All right. And and then uh July 8th, 8th through the 12th is going to be Generation Life Youth Camp. Uh so be praying for that. Uh also be praying for uh uh for the Barbies. They're they're uh having some health issues at the moment. They're the camp directors, but uh but they're they're coming through it, praise God. All right. Uh I think that's it for right now so let's pray for the service lord uh we thank you for this day we thank you for 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 being here with us we know that whenever two or three are gathered in your name you are here in our midst and we thank you for that lord we thank you that that the creator of heaven and earth would take the time to be with us and to and to fellowship with us and to and to draw close to us as we attempt to draw close to you lord help us to to be good ground and and to and to Soak in everything that you that you send our way today. Help us to, to to breathe in every word that is spoken to us, every every spiritual lesson that is given to us. Help us to learn it and to get it down on the inside, so that we can become closer to you and we can walk uh, as you did, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. <sighs> Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, or destroy. You will not stop us. You will not hinder us. You will not even be here in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for this day. And we thank you for, for your many blessings. And we thank you that you will be with us throughout the week. And will help us to learn. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Our confession. Derek, you going to do that for us? You got, you got the microphone. Good morning
2: disciples else uh, let's do our confession together I am the, the image, image of, of God, God. I, I am, am spirit and flesh I am very good I am fearfully and wonderfully made I am crucified I am a new creation and a new creature I am dead to the flesh but I live in Christ I am dead to sin quickened to life and saved by grace i am buried with christ by baptism i am raised from the dead with him i walk in the newness of life i am forgiven and redeemed i am an ambassador of christ i am the righteousness of god i am the workmanship of god's hands I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen.
3: Praise God. Glory. Yes, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We worship you. Father God, we love you for who you are. We come to you with our arms up, not our hands out. For I bring my
1: knee, I will
0: bring my heart. For I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you, I want to find you in every season, in every moment. For I bring my knee. I will bring my heart.
3: you and only you what can we do for you today father good father god oh i'm looking i'm looking at this next song we are going to sing about the goodness of our god For you are so great father god Oh, yeah, Break and tell God how good He is. You are awesome, Father God. We love you so. Glory, glory, glory glory be your name. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father God. Glory, glory be your name. You loved us when we were not yet lovable. Glory, glory. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for continuing to correct and direct and to show us. And Lord Jesus, thank you. For you are the great shepherd. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, but the blood. Blood, we can come to our Father God. Because of your blood, He calls me child. Lordy. Jesus. we time In your name, name Lord Lord Jesus, we state victory, 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 glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We claim victory in your name, your name, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. It all to Jesus. You cannot heal, you cannot defeat if you don't let it go. Do not hold on to it anymore.
4: Father, we surrender all of ourselves to you, Father God. Father, we just, we praise you and we honor you this morning. Father, we ask that you help Miss Betty this morning. Father, that you help her to surrender all. Father, we're not sure what it is that holds her here. From the words of her sons, they all say that they understand that it's her time to go home. And they have all said, told her it's okay for her to go. But, Father, she still holds on. And, Father, she's a mighty prayer warrior. She lifts up this house, this ministry. And, Father, we tell her, spirit to spirit, Miss Betty, it's okay for you to go. We know you'll carry us in prayer from heaven. And, Father, whatever it is, Father, we don't want her going through the jaws of death. We want her going through the gates of life, and we want her going smoothly, and we want her going easily, and we want her going comfortably. So, Father, whatever peace it is that that she still needs, Father, give it to her. Send the angels to give her confidence that that those that she holds up in prayer will be held up in prayer from here and from heaven. Father, we just thank you. For Miss Betty, we thank you for her service. And Father, we just, our greatest desire is that she goes into the gates of life easily and smoothly, that the gates, that the jaws of death do not hold her here. And Father, comfort her sons, comfort her grandchildren, Father, comfort her daughter in law, Father, comfort all of those that call Miss Betty family. Father, we thank you for her, for her lifelong service. And, Father, we give you glory and honor. Father, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you do. Father, we thank you that despite the fact that we live in turbulent times, despite the fact that Satan is fighting with everything he can against us, Father, we know that we win as long as we surrender to you. And so, Father, we give all of ourselves to you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Father, help us to learn how to rest in you. And, Father, we give you glory and honor this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, uh, you can be seated this morning. Glory to God. Uh, I did check on Brother James and Sister Sue. They're both well and fine. These extremely cold temperatures are wreaking havoc on their uh, water and their vehicles and things like that. And so they both said, we're great. We hate not being there. Uh, but <laughs> we've got some frozen issues. Uh, but other than that, they're good. Uh, Maybe we'll take them as propane heaters or something this afternoon. Kind of see what we can do to give them some aid. Um, But they're good. Derek's in the house. Uh, It's a fight of faith. But we know that he has the victory. Uh, The Lord kind of, well, he wasn't kind of, but I perceive in my spirit that, Derek, you're going through what you're going through because the devil's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to quit. Um, I, uh, when I was praying over you, it just really hit me that the devil's trying to convince you that you'll not walk out the ministry that you're called to, um, and, and that's not the case. So you just you just need to stay in the fight, brother. This is not going to last forever. You're melting away. I see it every day. Um, so you're you're you're. You know, at some point your body will balance out. This is not gonna be a lifelong issue. Uh glory to God. Thank you, Father. Well, you know, I we always seek the Lord and ask the Lord, you know, Lord, what do your people need? What do you you know, what would you have us to to, to uh minister and, and uh um you know, and it just you know we've been talking to a lot of people, and you know I'm very pastor Mike and I are very aware, very well aware of you know not everything that you guys have going on, but we're aware of a lot of things that you have going on and um I just went to the Lord and I said, Lord, it just seems to me that uh am i are we good okay it it just seems to me that um your people need uh some help with rest we need some help with rest and I said by all means I'm not telling you what I need to preach I just feel like they could you know I said I haven't taught on right we haven't taught on rest in a very long time and I just kind of feel like you know that would be a good place to go and so I sat down to study and I told the Lord I said this is in the direction you don't want us to go then lead me another direction I sat down to study on it and I just it wasn't working I just everything I read, it just wasn't clicking. It just wasn't. It started off good, and then I just kind of hit a wall and couldn't get any farther. And I said, I'm going to go in the other room and pray and see what I can find and and what have you. And nothing seemed to settle. And so I was still kind of just on it. And and uh, then uh, kind of towards my end of my prayer time, the Lord took me to Matthew 11:28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is going to be our keynote scripture. Uh so go ahead and read it first, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, and uh then we'll kind of backtrack and see some things about this scripture. And truth be told, um I I don't think I really ever completely understood this scripture until the Lord began to show me some things about it when I was looking at it last, late last night and this morning. So let's read um, Matthew 28 and 29. Matthew
1: 11, verses 28 and 29. Gotcha. <clears throat> Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
4: Glory to God. You know, we say, oh, you know, God's, you know, we say this frequently. You know, Jesus' burden is light. You know, his his yoke is easy. And, you know, oh, we rest in the Lord. But I don't think we really understand what the Scripture is talking about. Um, but we're going to really get into this uh, because in order to understand this, we need to understand two things. We need to, un- you need to understand that God That we're created in God's image. And if God needs rest, we need rest. And the other thing we need to understand is what it means to truly be a disciple. Uh, Because this is actually uh, disciple terminology is what this is. So real quick, let's go look at some things in Genesis. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Let's see some things here in Genesis. Genesis. We read Genesis chapter 1, and we tend to think, well, this all just happened. You know, the Lord made one statement, and then it occurred, and then, uh, it, ha- you know, then, then it, it was easy for him. But uh, we need to understand. Let's pick up in Genesis 1, 1, and let's just read a little while.
1: All right. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth.
4: Notice it said, God created. Now, we know, we, you know, we, we've been taught a few things, and we understand a few things, and we understand that how God creates is with the, word of his, with the words of his mouth. So we tend to think, when we read, when we read these next few verses, we tend to think that God made a sentence and things just happened. But it didn't happen exactly like that. Let's just read a little bit.
1: And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself. Upon the earth. And it was so.
4: Why don't you stop and think about this. How many different types of trees are there? A lot. Do you think that God just said trees appear? It's not what God said. The first thing that God said is he said grass and trees. When you come up, you're going to yield herb. uh, Every herb, you're going to yield seed and fruit after your own kind. That was the first command. Then he began to command the poplar tree to come up. And then he commanded the maple tree. But how much do you know? There's not just one type of maple tree. There's the red maple, and there's a couple different types of maples. Sugar maples. Sugar maples. And the, the tree person needs to be doing this. How much do you know? The oak trees. There's the yellow oak tree and the red oak tree. And, and then there's the pine trees. Oh, my goodness. There's the Virginia pine and the northern pine and the southern pine and the evergreen pine and the, the cedar pine. I mean, there's all these different the types pine. of trees, huh?
1: I'm loving this. You're making up new trees.
4: Cedar, I don't you know. It's a cedar tree, not a cedar pine. But, you know, there's all kinds, but you get my point. There's all kinds of, and then there's grass. Do you know that there's blue grass? And then there's that, what's that grass we get, the, 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 the fescue. fescue grass. Yeah. He knew what we get. <laughs> Glory to God. And there's the rye grass. And there's, you know, how much do you know it was not just one statement? God was calling all of these different trees by their name. Every I mean, he was calling them up, calling them up, calling them up. And then let's talk about the animals, the day he made the animals. Come on. He made the giraffe, and he made the rhinoceros, and he made the platypus. That one, I don't even... I, mean, I think it's the coolest animal on the planet, but at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, did, did you just... I mean, what did you do? How will take this... Take this from over there from this animal and this over there from this animal and that from that animal, and we're going to stick it all together.
1: I figure he got the hiccups right about that. Yeah,
4: right? (laughs) (laughs) Something. But how much do you know? And then, when he called the ducks, he didn't just call just the duck. There's the mallard duck and the wood duck and this duck and that duck and the other duck. How much do you know? This took work. Yeah, chickens and penguins. And there's not just one type of penguins. I mean, there's all kinds of penguins. I mean, come on. So, you know, God doesn't give us every detail. He gives us the synopsis because we have a hard enough time reading the 66 letters that we have. Can you imagine if he gave us every single detail? The other thing is, let's Man, jump. if he
1: listed all the animals and all the trees and all the plants and all that stuff, we'd be asleep by now.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be worse than the begats. Yes, it would be worse than the beginning. And somebody's saying, well, I thought, I thought Adam named the animals. Well, he did. But how much do you know? Let me, let me just help you out here. How much do you know? Mm, somebody did not know this. The book of Revelations tells us that we have a different name than what we go by on the earth. That we, have, that we have the name that God has given us, and when we get to heaven, we get to find out what that name is? Well, how much do you know? Well, we may call the platypus the platypus. God calls the platypus something entirely different. He calls the draft by some other name. I don't know. He might say that long-necked tree eater. We don't know what he calls it, but he has a different name for it. You know, And so he called all these things. So, yes, Adam named the animals, but he named them according to man's opinion, not what God had already called them. How much you know they had a name before Abraham? In fact, it said that God said, I want to see what my man Adam, not Abraham, I want to see what my man Adam is going to call my creation. He had already called it here. He had already called it. How much you know we named the planets? After God had already called them. So when we get to heaven, the planets are going to have different names. And when we get to heaven, we'll know if Pluto is a planet or not. (laughs) We'll find out. Glory to God. But jump over to uh, verse 26. Let's
1: jump to verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them.
4: God created us in his image. Which means... That if God has to do something, we need to do it. We need to do it. And it also means that if in order for God to create, if in order for us to create we have to use faith, then what do you think that means for God? That means that God also had to use faith. God had to meditate on his word. He had to meditate on faith. He had to meditate on power. He had to build his faith. If we have to build faith, how much do you know? God had to build his faith. Mm-hmm. Because we're in his image. So if we have to build faith, he had to build faith. So when he created the earth in six days, he was exerting a massive amount of faith of energy. He was exerting, he was building faith. Now how much every time how much you know when he said light be and light was, how much do you know that exercised his faith and his faith grew? And then when he said let the firmaments be when he said let the let the heavens be separated and they separated, how much you know his faith grew. See when you when you use your faith and you get results, that grows your faith. Just like God. So when it came down to designing animals, at that point it was easy work, but it was a lot of work designing the animals and the different types of grasses and the different types of trees. And the, and, and not only did he, we talked land animals, but do you know how many types of fish there are in the sea? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, more than we know. We, they're still discovering new animal life all the time. Still, you know. and And, and yet God created every bit of it. How much do you know, he exerted a lot of spiritual energy. And honestly, he exerted a lot of physical energy because he had to speak. See, spiritual things, you need to understand, spiritual things fatigue the physical body. You need to understand that. Physical things fatigue the physical body. The other thing that you need to understand is that Faith, building faith, meditating on the word, exercising faith, fatigues the physical body. Not only does it fatigue the physical body, but it also fatigues the soul. What is the soul? Those are your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Those are your imaginations. Even your brain gets tired, and your brain needs rest. Let's jump over to chapter 2, verse 1.
1: 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. That means the great many of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made.
4: Notice that God said he worked. He worked. God worked for six days. How many of you know? he He wasn't just sitting on his throne and going, you know... I think an alligator would be really cool. No, he was creating, he was working. Now, let me tell you what. He, now, here's the other thing that you have to understand. Not only was God creating everything, but he was creating perfect balance. Creating perfect balance. In the garden, no animals ate each other. You need to understand that. The, eat, the, the food chain, as we call it, um, as far as, uh, as, far as uh, animals eating animals... Uh, that entered with the curse. Because in order for an animal to eat an animal, that means that death had to enter in. And, when, and God is not the God of death. He's the God of life. So when he created what we refer to as, you know, poisonous spires and poisonous plants and alligators and, you know, things that eat things, those are all things that came about from the curse. When God created it, it was perfect harmony do you know how hard it is to create perfect harmony it's incredibly hard so obviously god was not just sitting on his throne just throwing things out there together he was working and it says and on the seventh day god ended his work we live in a time that we honestly we don't we don't end work at six days Really what happens is we, we work a five-day week. Some people work a six- and seven-day week. We work, and, and we're and, and we like, Woo walks over, and all we do is go back to more work. Because even if you're going to spend an entire day on the lake, that's work. I mean, even if you've got the boat, even if the boat is in the slip and all you've got to do is, is get yourself and your towels and your sunscreen and your munchies down to the boat, how much you know? That's still work. And then you've got to get it in. You've got to lug it in the house. And if you're going to get in the water, how much you know? That's work. Get out of the water. That's work. So we work, we work, we work, we work. But God told us to do something right here in chapter 2 that we have failed to do. Look at what he said. He said he ended his work on the seventh day.
1: He ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made.
4: He rested from all which he had made. In other words, he didn't look out at the earth and go, Man, that looks incredible. I think I'm going to go out and enjoy it. He rested from all his work. That means he did not go out and partake in his work. In, 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 in his creation, he, sat, he kicked back and relaxed. That's what he did. This word rest, I thought this was really cool. This word rested, this word rest um, actually is the word uh, Shabbath, S-H-A-W-B-A-T-H, Shabbath. And the A, the first A has the little upside down V over it. So that's why it gets that shaw sound. So it's Shabbath. And it actually means um, to cease, to desist, or to rest. It actually means to cause to cease. In other words, God stopped. He stopped. That's what he did. He stopped for an entire day. For an entire day. Uh, and this word Shabbath is where we get the word Sabbath from. In fact, the word Sabbath is an intense form of Shabbath, it's an intense form. So, sab- Sabbath means to Shabbath for an entire day, for an entire week. Or it could mean to Shabbat for an entire year. In fact, the Lord tells us in order, to take, in order for the ground to produce for us, you can have the ground produced for six years straight without a break. But then on the seventh year, you have to give the ground a Sabbath year, which means you tell the ground you have to produce nothing for us. Nothing for us for an entire year. This is how critical rest is. If God had to rest, if He has to Shabbat for an entire day, a Sabbath, how much more do you know you need a Sabbath? You need to cease. You need to stop. You need to take some downtime. And why is it that God said, take the downtime? Because, because we're created in his image, and he, is, he has all knowledge, he has all power, and he knows and he understands that if you don't Sabbath, you will burn out. If you don't Sabbath, you will burn out your systems. I am a product of failing to Sabbath. What? Yeah, I am. I am. I, I was. I, I was. I was taught a work ethic as a child, and we did take time off. We did break, but I, I was. I was taught a work ethic, and and I and I honestly had a problem with. I felt like I had to be everything for everyone, and I'm the type of person that when I start something, I'm going. I'm not going to stop till I finish it. I will run myself into the ground until I finish it. In fact, Michael used to make me so mad, and it wasn't even his fault. This is how much of a finisher I am. He would, you know, get the end of the day, whatever, and he's the type that he likes to kind of unwind in front of the TV, but he doesn't have a problem falling asleep in front of the TV. And so he'll think, well, I still have a little bit of energy left, so I'll start this movie. And it'll be some stupid movie that I have zero interest in. But he'll start it, and I'm in there because I want to spend time with him, so I'm in the room with him. He'll start the stupid movie, and then ten minutes into it before you even figure out what's going on, he's on the couch or in the recliner sawing logs sound asleep, and now I'm stuck. I've got to get up before him, but now I'm stuck. I've got to watch the two-hour movie. I have to endure the 40 minutes of commercials to figure out what happens in the stupid movie that I care nothing about because I am a finisher. That's who I am. At least that was used. used You say, this is how God created me. No, God created me for Sabbath. I was just too stubborn to acknowledge it. So, a few years back, I hit the wall hard, and nobody could figure I mean, I have a reputation. I, I went into the doctor uh, not too long ago because I had some type of weird rash, and uh, the nurse, who's relatively new, who's not gotten to know me real well yet, she went into the into Doc's office, and she said, Robbie says this is not her, not a normal rash that she's ever had before. And he, he came in the room. He said, you know what the nurse told me? I said, no telling, Doc. She, she came in my office and said, Well, Robbie said, this is not her normal rash. He said, I looked right at her and said, ain't nothing about her that is normal. I said, well, Doc, you're not lying. (laughs) And, and, And the reason we have this running joke in our office is because my body went wacko. It went crazy. And, I mean, I had doctors telling me not to come back to their office because they thought I was lying or something. I don't know. And so finally he had to send me to the Mayo Clinic. And I went through tests and tests and tests and tests and and all this. And then finally, they uh, they came to a conclusion after they ruled out every sickness. And uh, my sister was very concerned with me. And uh, and finally, I told my sister, I said, honestly, so she was very concerned and trying to understand it. And I finally told my sister, I said, here's the deal. I said, I've been tested for everything under the sun, and I have none of it. I'm actually extremely healthy, with one exception. And then she said, what's that? And I said, well... I have burned out my central nervous system to the point that I stay in fight or flight. And she goes, what? And I said, this is what the doctor explained to me. He came in, and he says, I have good news and I have bad news. And I said, okay, let's have it. And he's like, what do you want first? And I said, I don't care. So he said, well, I'll give you the bad news. And I said, okay, so what's the bad news? He said, you do have a disease. And I said, now, I'm just telling you what the doctor's report is. God's report's higher. And I said, I do. And he said, yep. He said, and the bad news is it's not curable. Man's idea, not curable. And I said, okay. And he said, the good, I said, well, that sounds pretty bad. I said, what's the good news? He said, we can teach you how to manage it. Oh, okay. So we went and took a three-day class. The first thing they said in the three-day class, this is the first thing they told us, they said, first of all, because you go with your family, and they said, first of all, you and your family need to know and understand that the illness that you have um, is not caused. Is, 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 we have come to find out that the people that get this illness are not people that are lazy. These are not people that are weak. These are not people that you know are incapable. They, she said, "This is what the instructor said." She said, "And actually, what we have found is the people that come down with this particular sickness, which is called central sensitization." She said, "What we have found out is that these people are highly intelligent, highly um, high. They're high energy. They're perfectionists, and they have no." Quit in them that's what she found out that's what that's what she said so apparently uh and she said and we and we have found that the reason that they come down with this is because they never take time to adequately rest how much do you know when god said in chapter two at the beginning of the book that you work six days and then you rest he was giving us a key to life Take the Sabbath.
1: Now, the interesting thing was is that me and Ann had to go to this class, too. I mean, this is Robbie's thing, but we had to go. That's
4: right.
1: Because right. what it comes down to is when you have a, a high uh, reliability person or a high achieving person, you tend to tr- you tend to count on them and trust them and, and, and expect a lot out of them. That's right. So they had to tell us, hey, you know, she's going to have this, this this thing, and you all have to, when she says, that's it. I can't do no more. You have to respect that. Yep. And they had to teach us that, hey, you know, you can't just be pushing her all the time to do things. And it's like, okay.
4: Because, because if I get pushed, I'm going to do. That's just the way I am. You need me, I'm going to get up, and I don't care how fatigued I am. I'm going to get up. So I have to say, so I've, so we came up with a code, and this is what they recommend. Is that This is what they recommend. They recommend that you that you train everybody around you. You have 30 minutes. You can't go to dinner, but you can go to coffee and a dessert. You can't, you know, don't commit for more than 30 minutes. And I told my instructor. I grabbed him off to the side and I said, "Listen, I'm a pastor. I said, 30 minutes ain't gonna get the job done." And this is what she said. She said, "I," she said. I can tell how you respond in the class, and I've been watching you. She said, I can tell you right now. She said, you will apply the tactics that you can apply, and you're going to push through the rest, But so so we know you're not going to stick to the 30-minute plan. That's what she told me. She said, I I can tell you're one of those people. She said, because if you haven't quit yet, you're not going to quit. She said, but here's what you need to do. You need to figure out a phrase or something like, my 30 minutes is up. So that when you're at that threshold, your family will know you're, you truly are done. So we use that a lot. We, uh, you, so you'll hear me say, "My 30 minutes is up." Now I'm probably, and, and now it's gotten to where I'm like, I'm three days past my 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm so done. I'm so done. And well, basically, what I'm saying is, I need Shabbat. I need rest. I need to. I need some downtime. And so I'm training myself to rest on Mondays because we preach twice on Sunday and we do prayer and we do fellowship. And so though when you're a minister, you don't technically get a day off, Mondays is, our, is my downtime. You know, I do as little as possible on Mondays because, because we are supposed to take God's example and we are supposed to Shabbat. Now, here's the deal. People will push you to do more than you should do. And you have to learn to tell people no. And it's acceptable to tell people no. It is acceptable.
1: And there's a reason why people push people, because if you look around, there's a lot of folks out there doing nothing. Nothing. It's hard to find somebody who will do something. And when they find that person, they're going to be, oh, my God, you can't ever leave.
4: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But so I need you to understand that Sabbath means to cease. It means to stop, it means to desist, and it means to rest. Now, here's another cool thing that I found out about this word rest, or this word Shabbat. Now, this is the Hebrew word, um, so this is Old Testament, but in a couple of places in the Old Testament, this word is translated as liberty, which in the New Testament They talk a lot, so the language is different, but they talk about us having liberty in Christ. And we do say, and under the New Testament, there is no doubt anywhere that Jesus is our rest. But here's the deal. You have to learn how to rest in him. So I have had to learn how to give my physical body rest. But there's also mental rest that you need to learn to give yourself. And that's, and that's resting in Christ. That's resting in his security. That's, that's taking off. That's just taking everything off of your plate and putting it on his plate. Just, just casting it over. Just casting it over. Putting it over on him. That, what is that? That is our freedom in Christ. Our freedom in Christ allows us to live as we should live in him. So, so we have this liberty in him. Well, I want to couple just a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, other things in the Old Testament, and then we'll slide over to the New Testament. Let's go to um, Exodus chapter 20. We're going to kind of flip around a little bit in here, but let's go to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to pick up in verse 11,
1: I believe it is. Yep, 11. Oh. You
4: can you back up a little bit?
1: Yeah, probably okay. go back to 8. Okay. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy.
4: So notice he said, remember the Sabbath day. In other words, because what did God do? God God said God rested for the seventh day, the whole day. That's where we get Sabbath. Sabbath is an extended time. It's an explanation. It's an it's a it's a exclamation or or he. he, This is a big deal. So he said, "Remember the Sabbath day." Sometimes you just have to take that day. I'm done.
1: All right. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do or shalt not do any work. Thou thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So even even your servants aren't supposed to work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it.
4: Now, I did some research on Old Testament Sabbath, and it's interesting because uh, there's periods of time throughout the Old Testament that you don't see them honoring the Sabbath. There's periods where they don't, they don't pay attention to the Sabbath. And then there's other periods where they are very regimented and very restrict about the Sabbath. In fact, if you've, if you've ever heard a Sabbath day's journey, they weren't allowed to travel more than a Sabbath day's journey, which was about a mile to two miles is kind of what they estimated. Technically, it was 2,000 cubits. And they believed, uh, it, um, theologians and archaeologists believed that the reason that that was the, the travel distance was because that was from the farthest point of the Jewish camp in the Old Testament to the center where the temple was. So they basically said, you can't go anywhere on the holy day except to temple. Uh, and that's why they called it the Sabbath day's journey. Now, you can, just like everything else with God, you can get in the ditch. And there's no doubt the Jews got into the ditch on Sabbath. There's no doubt about it. There's the ditch on where I was where you don't honor it at all. You take no rest. The other side of it is you take resting to the extreme where you don't allow anybody to do anything. I'm surprised they were even allowed to get out of the bed, to be honest. That they were allowed to exhibit, they're not allowed to work, they're not allowed to cook, they're not allowed to travel, they're not allowed to do all this stuff. They're supposed to, yeah, other than get up and go to temple and come home and rest, that was it. Um, you know, but even Jesus said, don't y'all at least get up and feed the animals? How much do you know? The animals still have to be fed. So there is a balance to this rest. There is a balance, and that's what I'm trying to get you to find out today, is that there is a balance. There is a balance. And you can go through, I mean, there's scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture about taking the time to rest and, and, and honoring Sabbath, honoring that holy time. Um, and the reason they hallowed it was because, the, and really the Sabbath was also to mark, uh, they use they use the Sabbath to mark a day of remembrance of the creation of God. They say, "Well, God God rested the seventh day, so we're going to rest the seventh day and remember how God created the earth. It was a day of remembrance. Also, they used the Sabbath as a day of remembrance for when they were freed from Egypt. Every seventh day, then they had they also had the Sabbath feast, uh, and they had Passover and all of those to cor- to uh, to um, to remember what God had done for them. Uh, so that was, that was more Sabbath time. So we get the idea that, that this means to rest. Now I want you to go to uh, Genesis chapter 6 because I want you to see where we're at today. I want you to see a couple of things here. And we're not going to get into who's the sons of God and the daughters of men and what have you. Most people believe that the sons of God were the angels. I tend to think a little differently on that. But that doesn't have to do with what we're dealing with today. So we're going to pick up right here in um, verse 3 and read to verse 6 in Genesis 6.
1: All right. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years.
4: So here the Lord said, I'm not always going to strive with man, for he is all for he also flesh. In other words, God said, I am not going to struggle with the flesh side of man for all of eternity. And the reason is is because our flesh has been impacted and influenced by Satan. And he said, I'm not, and God said, I'm not dealing with Satan for all of eternity. And I'm not dealing with Satan's influence for all of eternity. He said, therefore, I'm going to limit flesh to 120 years. Now, some people teach that, the, that what he meant is it was going to be 120 years before, God, before the flood came. And that's what they're referring to. But if you go back and you read the genealogy, I think there was less than five people from the from the time that the Lord said this, I think it was only three or five people lived more than 120 years from that day forward. Some of them, you know, pushed it, you know, from from the from the time of the flood is what I should say. Um, but again, another sermon for another day. He, but basically, what the Lord is saying is, I'm not going to put up with the evilness of flesh.
1: Let's keep reading. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually.
4: Now look at this. He said, and God saw that the wickedness of man, not the wickedness of spirit, but the wickedness of man. That wickedness means things against God. They were against God. He said that this wickedness, things that they came up with, went against God in the earth. He said it was great in the earth. How much do you know that they're still fighting to kill babies in the womb? That's high wickedness. How much do you know? They're fighting to get to love and, and have physical relationships with anything and everything. That is wickedness. How much do you know? Man is trying to elevate himself above God. That is wickedness. This was and this was this was the same type of wickedness that was great in Noah's day. You know, it's, it shocks me and amazes me how many people think that skulls and de- uh, skulls and, and what have you are awesome. You see it everywhere. And I'm like, do y'all not know that that is this, the symbol of death? I mean, there's, there's restaurants that have giant skeletons hanging outside their restaurants. And I'm thinking, you know, that completely turns me off because I think you're feeding death and why would I want to eat your food? like I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You see people driving around with skeletons in their cars. And you're like Last time I checked that meant death. And God is not how much you know uh this is a multitude of wickedness. They, you know, and 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 uh the what's the big one? The Punisher with the skull symbol. You know, that's that that's that superhero, that's a villain, but yet I mean in Hello, death, wickedness. They think this great evil guy that loves to kill people is a a superhero. Um, No. (laughs) And it says, notice he says, and every imagination of their thoughts, of his heart. So these imaginations of the heart or of the thought, these wicked imaginations have gone from up here in the mind to down here in the heart. Look at Hamas. Hamas got an imagination that if they were violent, if they violently killed uh, children and women and even men and the elderly, that they somehow would get the honor and glory of God. That's what they believed. How much you know those thoughts got down into their heart to the point that they were so deceived that they did horrific murders? This is, this is in your heart. Only evil continually. Oh, my goodness. And look at what it did to God.
1: And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Even the Father's heart can become grieved. Even the Father's spirit
4: can become grieved. Can become grieved. Well, what does this have to do with rest? Oh, I want to show you. He's like, yes.
1: I'm going, yeah. What does this
4: this have to do with with heart? I want you to turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. So we're going to see some things. This is the way the Lord showed me some things and talked to me. So I said, okay, well, Lord, if this is the way you're going to show it to me, I'll show it to your people this way. So uh, Matthew 24, we're going to pick up in around uh, verse 34. And this is Jesus speaking. He's, he's given a good teaching here. We're going to kind of pick up in the middle at verse 34. And we're going to go down to about verse 38.
1: Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, But my Father only.
4: So, what he's talking about is if if you go back earlier in the chapter, he was talking about the times that we live in, that there would be fire and earthquakes, that there would be false prophets. He was talking about the end of the last days. That's what he was talking about. And he's kind of shifting gears a little bit, but still staying on topic, talking about the end of the last days. And he says, nobody's going to know the time except the Father. Nobody's going to know the time at all except the Father. But then he tells us a little something that the Lord had told him about this last day.
1: But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be.
4: So now he says, I want you to think back about the days of Noah. Well, that's why we read that. It's because in the days of Noah, they were just the, the amount of evil that was happening on the earth was massive. But Jesus is going to tell us a little something more about what was also happening in the day of Noah.
1: For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark.
4: How much do you know uh, we are consumed with eating? Restaurants, recipes, quick fancy foods, amazing meals. We are consumed with eating of all types. We are consumed with drinking. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago, this was a dry county. Now there's bars practically on every corner, two or three of them, honestly. We're consumed with drinking. Every new restaurant that opens, it's not a restaurant, it's a bar that serves food. Every one that opens. We're consumed with food, and we're consumed with drinking in this day and in this hour. But apparently, so were they in the days of Noah, because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, you're going to be consumed with eating, you're going to be consumed with drinking, you're going to be consumed with marrying. How much, you know, they're consumed to the point that they want to marry people that they can't even have a marriage relationship with. People are wanting to marry people of the same sex. They're wanting to marry their pets. They're wanting to marry all kinds of weird things. They're consumed with it, and they're consumed with giving in marriage. How much, you know, everybody's like, oh, you want to you get married? I'll marry you. Let me hop on the Internet and do up a little paper here, and I'll marry you. They're consumed with it. He said, until the, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. This gives us the idea of a very busy lifestyle, an extremely busy lifestyle. So one of the things that, that we need to understand, one of the things that we can need to connect is we are extremely close to God coming. And because we're extremely close to God coming, one of the apparent tactics of Satan is to keep us excessively busy. Chasing our tails, ch- doing anything, barely what he wants us to do. He wants us distracted. He wants us deceived. He wants us to say, I don't have time for God. Which, So if you're going to follow God in this day, in this hour, you're going to have to do it on purpose. If you're going to rest in this day, in this hour, you are going to have to do it on purpose. You're going to have to set a schedule and say, I can't... I, I have been on the young people for a couple of years now. You need to get you a, you know, because everything's digital, everything's on the phone. I I, I tell them all the time, you need to get you a handwritten calendar. And you need to go through your calendar as soon as you get it, and you need to mark rest time. You need to mark church. And when somebody says, hey, can I do this, you need to pull out your calendar where you can see your entire week, and you can see your entire month, and you can go, wait, is this going to take from God? Is this going to take my rest time? Is this? Because when you look on your phone, you don't get to see your whole schedule in plain view, and it's deceiving. It's deceiving. So we need to learn to uh, make time. We need to be very careful that we don't get involved in this, that we don't get consumed in going out and fellowshipping and eating constantly. We, you know, we're not getting consumed in drinking. We're not getting consumed in 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 marriage and in family activities, to the point that we're not doing what God told us to do from the very beginning, which is rest. Because here's the deal if you become physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, and emotionally exhausted, you will not be ready for Christ that is coming. You will 100% burn out. And I'm seeing it, and listen, Listen, if you've talked to me recently and I've said you need to learn to rest, this sermon is not for you and you alone. It is for you, but it's not for you alone because we all have a problem with this. The church universal has a problem with this. And when I asked the Lord about it, I was like, Lord, we need to talk about it. And I was going at it from my direction, and I couldn't get settled. But when I stopped and I got the Lord's direction, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to look at the days of Noah. He said they were so busy, they refused to rest. We're so busy, we're not making time for rest, and we need to. Now, before we get back to our keynote scripture, I want you to go to Matthew. We're
1: in Matthew.
4: Chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Because I said the other side of this, number one, we need to see that God said you need rest. The other side of this is you need to understand discipleship. Discipleship. So I want you to understand this. Um, Jesus had just dealt with, Jesus had just spent 40 days praying and fasting. He cut out 40 days out of his schedule to spend with God. He spent 40 days with God, and at the end of the 40 days, when we read it in Matthew, we think that Satan was kind of coming on and off throughout the 40 days. But when you read, I think it's Luke's account, Luke makes it clear that Satan shows up. At the end of the 40 days, when he is at his weakest point, let me explain this to you. When you are not resting, you are giving Satan, you are making yourself vulnerable for the enemy because you have no strength to resist him.
1: Well, if you don't rest, your, your thinking starts to get a little off.
4: Right, and your emotions get off, and your, your mental acuity gets off, your emotional stability gets off, and, and you let your guard down. You're no longer being sober. You're no longer being vigilant because you are exhausted in your soul. And so that's when Satan goes, oh, good, I've got, I got them so busy that now they're exhausted. Now I can pounce and take them out. And he said, "No, no, no." So here we see that with Jesus, he didn't. Satan did not show up until Jesus was exhausted because he was exerting a tremendous amount of spiritual energy, spending time with the Father. So he, so uh, but he resi- he manages to resist. And here's the deal: you can still resist and overcome with Satan if in your exhausted time you're still making room for Jesus. Let me say that again. You can, because sometimes you can't help a schedule. Sometimes schedules blow up and things happen, and you're just so busy putting out fires that you can't help yourself. This, this is where meditation is so important. Because in the midst of your fires, if you're at least meditating when you're in your car driving, if you're meditating when you're in your shower, if you're learning to rest in Christ, you will have the ability to stand against the enemy. But you have to learn how to do these things, and it takes some time. So Jesus is, he's he's over, he's he's spent plenty of time with God, he's full of power, he's full of might, he's defeated Satan three different times, and now he comes out of the desert, and he has an emotional blow that's very hard. Uh, Let's pick up um, right here.
1: In uh, verse 12, Matthew 4:12. All right. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee.
4: This was, a, this was a hard emotional blow to Jesus. Number one, John is his cousin. Number two, John just water baptized him in the water of Jordan just 40 days earlier, 40, 45 days earlier. And Jesus knows that now that John is in prison under Herod, because he knows that, that John has been irritating Herod, he is fully aware that there, at bare minimum, John is going to get tortured brutally. He's well aware that there's a good chance that his cousin is going to end up dead. This will uproot most people. But if you are settled in Christ or settled in the Father of God, he was settled in God. If you're settled in God, you're going to be able to do exactly what Jesus did. He went, well, Lord, I commit him to your hands. I'm going about your business. He was not disrupted. He didn't run to John. He didn't try to rescue John. He's full of the power of the Holy Ghost. If he wanted to get John out, he could have. But he stayed on track with the Father God because he learned to stay with God. So this was yet another attack of Satan. And Jesus said, I'm going to let that roll like water off a duck's back. My father has John. My father has John. It's okay. Um, For the sake of time, let's uh, skip down to verse 17.
1: From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.
4: So Jesus continued to travel where the Spirit told him to go. Notice, Jesus is doing what the Father God told him to do. When you are doing what God has told you to do, you will be able to rest better. So he's doing what God told him to do. He's not out of sorts. He's not over on the devil's territory. I mean, he is, but not without God's guidance.
1: And let's keep going. All right. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Oh, my
4: goodness. He said, "Follow me." And I've talked about this before, and I'm not going to pronounce it right. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to, but we'll get it close. This is uh, Duetto opus. And this means <clears throat> and, and when, a, when a teacher, a rabbi, a learned teacher, comes to, uh, says to a child in school, "Follow me." When they speak those words, Really what they're saying is, take my yoke. That's really what they're saying. They're saying, be tied to me. Let me explain just a little bit about the Jewish teaching program, uh, uh, Jewish education program in Jesus' day. It was called Miss Hannah, And under Miss Hannah, every child, boy and girl, up to the age of 10 went to school. And from from when they began school to the age of 10, Their number one task was to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, to memorize it. The second thing, their second and third obligations was to learn basic reading and basic math. That was it. That was the only education that the Jewish children got. Now, if at age 10, uh, now let let me rephrase that. At age 10, all of the girls... Went home. And from home, they were taught by their parents how to run a household. That's what they were taught to do. So they, their education continued, but it continued from an, on, on an at-home basis, and it was for the purpose of running a Jewish home. That's what the girls had to learn. The boys, on the other hand, the majority of them went and worked for their family business, and they learned the family business. That's what the majority of them did. That's what uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John did. Uh, Is that who it was, Andrew, Simon, Peter, James? Who is it? Peter and Andrew. Okay. Peter and Andrew. They all, apparently their families were fishers. So at the age of 10, they went home to be fishers. Now, there were some students that were considered bright enough that even though they would go home and they would learn the family business, they also got to remain in school. So they had to do school and they had to do work. And the schooling that they did is they learned, now that they had the Torah um, memorized, now they began to study the Torah for understanding. And not only would they begin to study the Torah, but they would begin to study the Talmud. Now the Talmud... That's a whole other ball ballgame in and of itself. The Talmud was the writings of the rabbis that were currently rabbis and all of the rabbis that had come before. And they put more weight on the Talmud than they did on the Torah. And so they would study what the teachers had taught and they would begin to implement it in their life. Now, if they showed an ability to do this, then they would begin to take what they were learning and they would begin to teach it in the temples at various times, which is why when Jesus was 12 and he went to the temple, nobody freaked out. They all assumed that he qualified to be in Mishana at that age and that he was simply doing schoolwork. That's what they believed, and that's why he was able to teach, and, and because of his understanding, they were astonished because they hadn't seen a child be able to understand it to that degree. Now, somewhere at the age of 13 to 15, which the numbers have already dwindled tremendously again, somewhere in that age of 13 to 15, after showing some ability to understand the scriptures, the students that remained would have to go to a rabbi. Most of the rabbis were in the school. Those were usually the ones that they went to. They would go to that rabbi in the school, and there would be several of them, and they would have to inquire of of a particular rabbi, Rabbi, can I be your disciple? And the rabbi, whichever one they went to, would do one of two things, because because the rabbis have already been watching the students. The rabbi would either immediately dismiss the child and say, you don't qualify, go back to the family business, you're done in school. Or the rabbi would put that student through a series of tests and inquiries. And after the rabbi did his test and inquiries, he would say one of two things. He would either say, uh, duet opus, which means follow me, take my yoke, be my disciple. Or he would say, you are not skilled enough and smart enough you need to go home and work for the family business. So those that were told to go work for the family business in the Jewish community were looked down on as not having enough ability to actually understand spiritual things. So that's where uh, Simon, Andrew, and all of them, they, they were in that spot. We don't know how far along they went, but we know that because they're, they're adults now and they're fishermen, they were rejected by rabbis. Now, if you were received by a rabbi, that was a big, big, big deal because not only did you now become a disciple of a, uh, of a rabbi, but your entire life changed. That child left the parents' home, and they literally – honey, come down here mm-hmm. – they literally attached themselves to that rabbi, and wherever that rabbi went, there went that student – to the, and they studied their rabbi. They studied everything that that rabbi did. They lived in that rabbi's home. And they studied that rabbi to the point that they would pick up that rabbi's mannerisms. They would begin to speak like that rabbi spoke. They would use the same terms of phrase. They would, they kept, they picked up his mannerisms. They basically became uh, identical to their rabbi. In fact, so much so that people that knew different rabbis, while watching their students, could say, oh, you're so-and-so's student, because you displayed just like your rabbi. Okay? So when Jesus, and, and, and this term, duet opus, was only used by the rabbis for the purpose of making somebody their disciple. That's the way I understand it. So when Jesus came to these fishers and said, and he's now at the age of 30. Now, here's the other thing. That student at the age of 13, let me finish talking about the status first. At the age of 13 to 15, that student would leave their parents' home and move into the rabbi's home. But the parents, the family, actually gained social status. They went from being common Jews to being Jews of status. that got to go into the higher courts that were revered and looked at and I mean everything about not only the child's life changed but everything about the parent's life changed also so it was a status thing it was a really it was a huge 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 deal to become a disciple it was huge so when Jesus came and he said follow me and he spoke those words to Simon Peter Andrew uh, when he James spoke, in James and John, when he spoke those words, what he was saying is, come and take my yoke. It's another thing. So what they would do, because the rabbi would say, oh, you want to be my student. Well, then that means that you have to connect yourself to me, be pinned to me, and what, like, the life that you had, Listen to me. The life that you had is not your life anymore. Now you hook to me and your life becomes a mirror of my life. Becomes mirror to me. So now let's go look at Matthew chapter... uh, This is what... So when Jesus said that, now let's go back to our keynote scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 11. And let's look at what he says here.
1: See, when he said that to, to Simon Peter... And, and, James and, and John and Andrew and James and John, they all had their they they all had jobs. They were yep. all doing things. They were all working. They had they had tasks that they were doing. They had burdens, right? So then he, he so then he comes down here to to Matthew eleven verse twenty eight. Hold on,
4: before we got to go here, I'm sorry, I, I forgot a verse. We need to go to uh, Luke fourteen. Oh, one more. Gotcha.
1: Wrong direction.
4: No, we can't go there. We ain't got time. Okay. Stay right here in Matthew. Sorry. <laughs> Stay right here in Matthew. All right. So he said in Matthew, he said, come. Now, we read it like this, come unto me. But that's not the way that Jesus said it. This word, come, is an interjection. It's an exclamation. He actually, what he said is he said, come now. That's really what he said. He said, come now. He was like, come hither get over here he said it with some umph to him he was giving a strong he was giving a strong um, exclamation. exclamation he's like come now get to me now that's the first thing he was saying was get to me now and uh, he said, come unto me. In other words, get to me. When he said unto, that word doesn't mean just come near. It means come with the purpose to take advantage. Come to take advantage. Come towards me for the purpose of taking advantage of me. Now that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Come, Come for the purpose of gaining something or getting something. He said, come to me. All. Now, I love this word "all" because we automatically go, well, all means all. But, but there's a definite indication, uh, and there's a definite indication of every single one of us can come. And there's an indication that uh, each of us can come individually. But, but there's also, he said, come wholly, completely, come completely to me. We have this, we have this mindset of, well, Jesus, I'm going to come, but I'm only going to come. With just this one part of me. And in Luke 14 it said. Who doesn't count the cost. See there's a cost to serving the Lord. And the cost to serving the Lord. Is you lay yourself down. Wholly. Completely. And you instead go. Okay. That's not who I am anymore. That's not what I need to do anymore. That's not it anymore. Now I'm coming to you. And I'm surrendering all every bit of me you were giving it all he said come he said come all that are he said come with the purpose of taking advantage all all of you holy that labor and are heavy laden this labor uh, is another way we can say this if you grow weary If you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you're exhausted because you're toiling and you're burdened and you're full of grief and sorrow, um, it it means to, uh, if you labor with wearisomeness um, in effort to toil, basically (laughs) you are physically laboring to the point that you are wearing yourself out this is not spiritual this is physical labor you're laboring to the point that you are physically wearing yourself out come and jesus will give you rest he will give you rest now sometimes when you come to him for rest be ready for him to correct some things because he knows why you are worn out. He knows why you're weary. And he may tell you, Child, you need to learn to say no. Child, you need to cut your schedule. Child, I never told you to take on that responsibility. You need, and then panic sets in, but oh my God, everybody depends on me. Honey, they were there before you got there, and they'll be there after you're gone. They will be. Yes, you are important, and yes, you are valuable. Don't let the devil tell you, you don't matter, and therefore just take yourself out, because that's a lie. No, you are important, and you are valuable, and that's why God said, I didn't tell you to do that, because you're giving yourself over here. You cannot give all of yourself over here like I need you to. He is a master scheduler, and he knows. I have had to do this time and time again. My plate will get full, and I'll go to the Lord, and I'll say, Jesus, I need rest. And he'll say, I never told you to do that. I'll give you an example. One of the things that he never told me to do was to to be the IE chaplain over the jail. He never told me to do it. But because the ministers that we took over for were doing it, I felt like well, I had to pick up that responsibility because I needed to make that good witness in the community. And I got weary with it, and I got frustrated with it, and I got under stress with it and because, honestly, the only time they used me was when they, didn't want, was when they didn't want to tell somebody no. Seriously. If they knew you and they thought, oh, yeah, you'd be good to go in, they'd let you in. But if they didn't know you or they were concerned about you, they'd say, oh, go talk to her. I was their no person. And I was like, Lord, this is not what I said. And, and, and very kindly, the Lord said, I never told you to do that. Well, you're right, Lord. You never told me to do that. So I graciously bowed out. And you know what? The jail runs just fine, and they have people that go into the jail and minister just fine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it, what did it do? It took my pressure off. Took the pressure off me. Well, thank you, Lord. Miss Ann still goes. She still goes. Miss Linda still goes. Other people go in, that's wonderful. But the Lord let talk to them about it. But he said, I didn't tell you to take on that responsibility. There's other things that the Lord told me to do or to stop doing. I carried the care about the children's department and the nursery department. Yes, we love children. Yes, we love nursery. Yes, we have the facilities set up for them. Yes, we have that. But I was, I mean, every week I was trying to do the sermons, trying to plan the children's service and the nursery service, just in case we had kids. I, I mean, and I was planning for people to be here, and I was, trying, and I was stressing myself out. And the Lord said, I didn't, I didn't call you to take care of those departments. He said, trust and believe me for teachers. Wow, that took the load off. So I just thank God, Father, I thank you, that you have have already sent us anointed teachers, gifted teachers. I thank you that we have it. Well, I don't see them. Well, that's okay. Maybe God's still prepping them. We'll have it when it's the right time. But we we have the facility. We have the supplies. When the teacher gets here, we're ready to run. We're ready. We put our faith action in it. Now I'm just standing and believing. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. He, what, what, is, what, what is God doing? When I go, God, I just can't do this anymore. He said, I didn't tell you to do it. Change it. I didn't tell you to take that on. Change it. And then there's other things. He'll say, well, you're, you're struggling because I told you to do this over here, and you ain't done it yet. <sighs> okay, Lord, I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to make that adjustment. And then you know what? I tell him I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to make the adjustment. And then several weeks later, I'm still struggling. I go back to the Lord, Lord. He said, what did you tell me you were going to do? You're right, Lord. I'll get on it. I don't, be, I don't sit there and lay down on the floor and, oh, how horrible I am. I just go, okay, Lord, you're right. Make the adjustment. He said, come unto me, all that are laboring. He's, this is physical labor. He's talking about you are physically wearing yourself out. And I, I, Jesus, I, the Father God, will give you rest. He's going to give you the rest that you need. The problem is is we don't go to him and ask him for rest. He said and then and then the very next the very next verse is amazing. He said take upon or he said take my yoke. Uh look at this. He said take my yoke, take my yoke upon you. This take my yoke, this means that Jesus already has a yoke round about him. I am to pick it up. I am to come up to him and I am to tether myself to him. But so often, what we do is we take all of our burdens, we take all of our yoke, we go to him and we go, Jesus, can you hook in with us? Jesus, come hook in with us. That's not what he said to do. He said, You take my yoke. In other words, leave your junk behind, unhook yourself from all of your weights, all of your burdens, unhook yourself, come over to me, and hook up to me. And in in, in which case you go, I don't know how to do that. He said, and learn of me. The reason that you're not rested is because you're not unhooking from responsibility and taking the time to come and learn about Jesus. You need to unhook some things, and you need to make some time for you to sit down and learn of Christ.
1: That's
4: what you need to do. Glory to God. Let's finish reading this verse. A couple other things I want to point out here, but I've got to get there.
1: All right, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into, unto your souls.
4: He said, he said, learn of me. Now, when he said, I am meek, he said, I am, as in I, God, I. He said, meek, that means he is gentle and he is mild. So many people, the devil, the devil will convince you, don't go to Jesus. He's a hard taskmaster. He's not a hard taskmaster. Yes, he will try. He will ask you to do things that on your flesh in the moment might be hard. It's a listen, it's uncomfortable to go to people that you've committed to and say, I'm sorry, I've had to reevaluate some things, and for my own health, I need to cut some things out, therefore, I cannot live up to my responsibility. Yes, that's uncomfortable, but when you present it that way, the people are going to melt and they're going to go, Well, you, yeah, you got to take care of yourself. You're the number one priority. I don't need you burning out. You need some extra time off? Take some time off. You can't do this anymore? That's fine. I don't want you burning out on my watch. I don't want anybody burning out on my watch. In fact, I will set people down in the praise team and the sound team when they don't want to be set down because they don't want to let go of the responsibility. And I'm like, look, it is more important to me that you take the break that you need than for you to burn out and never do what God has called you to do. Take the break take the break. He Jesus said I am meek. That means that he is humble, he is gentle, he is he's very mild. He's not hard, he's not rough. He said and, and and then he said and I am lowly. This means he is he is able to come down to your level. He is not always trying you you don't have to always come up to him. Yes, that's the goal is for us to come up to him, but that's not our requirement. He is willing to come down to you. Notice he said, I am lowly in heart. He has enough compassion to come down to where you are and meet you where you are. Yes, he may need you to come up higher eventually, but if you're not there, he's not ashamed to get down there in the mully grub in the mud with you. He's not ashamed to do that. He said, He said, I am meek and lowly in heart, and here's why, that you shall find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your mental thoughts. You will find rest for your emotional state. You will find rest. For your physical body. Because if you're mentally exhausted. If you are emotionally exhausted. That is going to wear you out physically. And Jesus said. I have no problem coming down to where you are. So that you can settle down. And you can get rest. So that you can pick yourself up. And you can walk with me. See. there are, And a great way to do this. Is when you feel that pressure. In your life. I've learned this. When I feel that pressure, I just set everything down. If there's stuff sitting in front of me, like if I'm working at a desk or whatever, or I'm on the job, I just push everything forward a little bit, give myself a little bit of physical space, and I just close my eyes, and I just say, Jesus. I'm not cussing him. I'm calling on him. Jesus, I need you to help me. I need your rest. And I settle my mind and I calm my mind, and I, and I breathe in the peace that's in my spirit, and before I know it, I'm energized. Have you ever gone to a meal super hungry, and then you, and then you eat your meal, and then all of a sudden you go, I feel better? That's what doing this with Jesus is, taking that moment to push everything away. Father, I am, I am, dropping, I am dropping my yoke. I am hooking myself up to Jesus' yoke. He is, his yoke is light and easy, and he's humble, and he can meet me, and I can just say, Jesus, I need your help. And I sit still, and I sit quiet, and I wait for Jesus to speak to me. And sometimes he'll say, you need to walk away from this right now. And I'll get up, and I'll say, okay, I just need a break. And I walk away, and I give myself a break. And other times he'll say, here's the answer, it will be easy for you now. And then I can pull the work back in. I can see the answer so plainly, and I can go, and because I got the answer, it settles my emotions, it settles my mind, it settles my peace. So there's two types of peace, or two types of rest available to us. There's physical rest, which we saw that God said, you need to take physical rest. Now, if you, if you say, well, I just can't figure out a single day that I can rest, begin to talk to the Lord. Because maybe he can get you a morning here or an evening there or an afternoon there. And when he gives you that time, don't fill it up with something else. I see people do this all the time. God will open up their schedule and then they turn around and they pack it. And I'm like, you just undid everything you asked the Lord to do for you. Don't do that. That's where sitting down and writing your schedule out makes it so simple. So give yourself physical rest and then give yourself the mental and emotional rest that you need by resting in Christ, taking on his responsibility. One last verse, go to second Corinthians chapter three. Second Corinthians chapter three, I just want you to see this. We're going to end right here. I don't know where the day went. This is where a lot of people burn themselves
1: out, verse six. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, yep. Keep going. not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life.
4: People that are learning the things of God get so wrapped up in the specific letter of the Scriptures. I have to be a doer of the Word. Yes, you need to be a doer of the Word. But if you slip and trip, you repent and you move on. Listen to your spirit. Yes, you need to learn to control every thought. But when you miss it, listen to your spirit, get that thought under control, repent, and move on. You've got to, when you're working the word, you've got to work it with your spirit. If you're only doing the letter of the word, it's going to kill you. You have to use your spirit. God never intended us for us to live on the letter of the scriptures alone. We've got to engage our spirit. And part of engaging our spirit is we walk with Jesus. Amen. We connect our spirit to spirit, and Jesus will go, you don't need to do that. Well, you need to do that, but you don't need to do it right now. You need to cut this out. You need to do that. You have to engage the spirit. If it's always the letter of the law, the letter of the law, the letter, even the letter of the New Testament law will kill you. You've got to engage your spirit, and you've got to rely on your spirit more than you rely on your own mental and physical and emotional abilities. You have to learn to rest. Well, glory to God. I hope this helps you. I hope you learn to rest. We all need to rest. That's honestly what Pastor Mike and I do when we go to these meetings. I was telling somebody the other day. I said we go to these meetings. You know, there's ministers that go to these meetings, and I'm not begrudging them anything. I think it's wonderful that they can do it. But I mean, they'll they'll I mean, they come in in the morning. We're like, oh, you have- oh yeah, we went for a nice run or a nice walk on the beach. We we've already done this, this, and this. And we're like, wow. Then they go to the meeting. Then they go to lunch. And then they're they're out all day exploring this, exploring that, doing that. They come into the meeting and they're like, Ooh, we're good. And then they're like, okay, I'm tired. I'm ready for bed. I'm like. Michael and I get up, we leisurely do breakfast, spend a little time with the Lord praying, we go to the service, we go back to the room, we change, we meet some people for lunch, we go to lunch, we come back to the room, and I'll look at him, or he'll look at me, and we'll say, do you want to do anything? And we go, eh, I mean, we could if you really want to, but I'm perfectly fine just to stay here and rest. I said, man, if you're good to rest, I'm good to rest. He'll say that to me. And guess what? We just rest. <laughs> and then it comes, and then we're like, oh, gosh, we've got to be in service in 20 minutes. Oh, you know, and get our butts down there. <laughs> but, but why? Because we've learned the value of rest. We've learned that value. Right. You got more? Nope. Okay, I thought you did for a second there. Well, praise the Lord. Tithes and offerings. Thank you, Jesus. Zach, if you'll come, sir. Glory to God. Zach was resting this morning. <laughs> he was resting apparently he texted me he said I'm sorry pastor I, was, I overslept I said that's fine like Oh, that,
0: shirt looks good
4: you heard from heaven didn't even know it <laughs> took some rest <laughs> he went to bless the tithes and the offering all right
1: well, Lord, we thank Glory you for this word that we've received. We thank you that you've spent time with us and that, that you've taught us how to, be, how to rest in you and how to, how, to, how to pick up your burden and lay our own burdens down because your burden is lighter than ours. Lord, we just, we just love you and we thank you for this. Lord, we thank you that you're, you're leading and guiding us and helping us to become more like you so that people can see you when they look at us, so that they can see you in, in the way we lead our lives. Lord, we just thank you that, that you gave your son, and that you gave, and that you have blessed us so much that we want to we want to give into your kingdom, Lord. We want we want to see your kingdom here on earth as it as it is in heaven. So we give into, we give unto your work, we give unto your ministry uh, because you told us to, and, and we do it with a joyful heart and a generous heart. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for that. Lord, we ask that you bless our offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work and your will here on this earth. Lord, and we we know that you will bless us. We know that you you will return unto us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over more than we could ever ask, hope, or think, so that we can be a bigger blessing to you, Lord, and to your people in Jesus' mighty name. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You must flee in Jesus' name.
4: Oh, glory, Lord, we just glory, thank glory. you. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working. And the angels have gone out on our behalf to cause provision to come. And we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You serve the people. Glory to God. If you're given online, the instructions are on the screen. Oh, well, for those people. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday.